Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, hostess with the mostest, matcha snob, and unapologetically bad at small talk. Seriously, tell me about your childhood. And I'm Joan Karnashan, queen of messy conversations, skincare junkie, and highly allergic to bullshit. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where together we'll navigate the vital conversations that lift shame and shift paradigms. Our deepest desire is to normalize rewriting the narratives women have been taught about pleasure, money, power, sexual expression, and self-sovereignty. So join us each week for unfiltered, raw dialogue that educates, empowers, and hopefully entertains, or at the very least, makes the hard topics feel a little safer. By the way, when we say women, we are speaking to humans who identify with their divine feminine nature, non-binary royalty, our sacred sluts, the matriarch and the rising, and those of us who are still trying to figure our shit out. You guys know I love a good disclaimer, so here goes. We are not to be mistaken for doctors, lawyers, clinically trained psychologists, therapists, or your mother. But we are someone's mom. If you True. think this state is going well, subscribe to our show. And community means everything to us. So make sure to tell a friend or like all of your friends. Yeah. All right. We're back, bitches. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. Just it's been one of those days. It's been one yeah, of those no, years. your tone, your tone <laughs> literally summed up. Like if if they could see my hair or if y'all could see my hair right now, you would know what kind of day I've had. <laughs> I mean, earlier your your microphone was in your crotch, which is pretty much how well, most I mean, of these episodes start. I trust my pussy to speak. So <laughs> I was like asking her what she thought, how she thought we should lead into this conversation today. So, And she just said, just hit record, bitches. Yeah. She said, just go. Just, just go. go. Oh, man. It's been, it's been a week. It's been a year. It's been a month. And, you know, right before we hit the record button, we were just about to go down this like rabbit hole of just talking about the pressures of motherhood and getting things right. And just, I was about to just share with you like this pressure as an Asian American woman having to feel like you have to do everything right. You have to do motherhood right. You have to do wifehood right. And I know that this isn't just something women of color experience. I know this is really, really universal, but I also feel this pressure is so much more harder for women of color because it's also having to prove to the rest of the world and everybody else that we've got this. Mm. And the pressure is so fucking hard. Yeah. I just want to yeah. like crawl under the, the bed and just be like, <laughs> I'm going to sleep for a little bit and just call me when this pressure is done. Yeah. <laughs> Never like- going to be done. <laughs> like sleeper hold. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, the reason we decided, so yeah, we're kind of, we're kind of in it now. We decided last minute, instead of putting up an interview for you guys this week, we decided that we should just kind of share where we are and how our hearts are. We have some, you know, like a big, a big milestone coming up is my daughter's one year birthday is tomorrow. And it is mm. also Joe's youngest babes. She, is she going to be 11 or 10? She's going to be 11. 11. Oh, um, and- so Liv is going to be 11 mm-hmm. and James is going to be one. And a lot of what we have been talking about offline has been about just how fucking hard motherhood is. And mm. so for all of you, whether you relate or whether motherhood is in your future, this is just a candid chat with Kristen and Joe about motherhood and about how 
beautiful and brutal it is and just Mm. kind of where we are right now, because this is something that in our, our intimate friendships that we do, we kind of like keep tabs and check in and it's like, all right, how are things going? (laughs) Like how, how is everything? And, and I think we just decided that we wanted to bring you guys along for the ride in case anyone else is on the struggle bus a little bit when it comes to any of this stuff. And we provide quite a range. Like I have this one-year-old as of in a couple of hours and Joe has an 11 year old and a 16 year old. So for y'all feeling the teenage pain, Joe is here to represent. (laughs) Man, that teenage pain, I swear. I mean, we've been talking about this offline too, just like how so much of my own mother daughter wounds are showing up in relationship with her. And it's so painful to witness the dynamic between us because on one hand, you're like, yeah, that's the whole mother-daughter relationship in the teenagers. On the other hand, you're like, but does it have to be this way? And do we need to continue down this stupid path that it, that this is just how it's supposed to be? And I found myself last week and, you know, this, this has been, this has been a a hell of a last couple of weeks for me. I mean, this is week, the start of week three in the new space. Um, This is the first kind of parent swap in this new co-parenting relationship that we now have in our own two separate homes. And last Friday, Iris and I, my teenager got into a fight and I just saw myself fighting with my mom as her and me being my mom and me being her. I mean, it was just one of those like, holy fuck, mind fuck moments of witnessing generational wounding. Mm. And And then you being exactly in the position that you never wanted to be in and like perpetuating things that you yourself experience that you hate. Yeah. 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 And then also just knowing that I am not my mom. But I am my mom in certain ways, you know, and and that brought up a whole host of emotions for me and also made me feel really alone because although my mom can be a really great resource, I also know that she raised me with a whole different set of rules, expectations, beliefs, and her own different perceptions coming from the Philippines coming to America. And here I am raising an American girl. <laughs> here you, know? you are decolonizing, doing all <laughs> kinds of generational healing. <laughs> and so to go back to her, to go back to my mom and ask her for some advice on this would literally just give me the words of, oh, that's just how it is. Welcome yeah. to motherhood. And while that's maybe comforting to a certain degree, I'm also at this place where I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I actually want advice. Well, and it's also this, for me, when somebody says that to me, and this is, this goes across the board, I feel instant rage, which is my (laughs) go-to emotion uh, for all things, but I feel angry because I just don't like, I'm not going to accept that. Like, that's not acceptable to me that because like, that was your experience, that this is destined to be my experience. And I feel the same way. Like when I was in my early twenties and people would say, Oh, just wait until you get married or, Oh, just wait until you have kids or, Oh, just wait until X, Y, and Z all of these like universally horrible things are going to happen to you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's just this mindset that 
drives me fucking insane. Mm. It's like, you have to go through this. You have to experience this. And I am going to challenge the shit out of that. Like, I'm never going to stop challenging that. I had so many people with so many opinions as, as we all do about how I was going to birth my child, when I should birth my child, how many kids I should ha- even have. There are all these opinions. And I am constantly, every time someone offers one up, I'm just like, you know what? Nobody asked you. You don't get a say. You don't get a, you don't get a choice in this. This is not for you to decide. This is not up for debate. I am not open for any, for any of that from you. Thanks so much. And so I think working through that is, is part of just this experience for me in general, where I just refuse to accept that all of that stuff has to be true, that you have to have a shitty relationship with your daughter because you're both women, that there has to be this kind of power struggle between the older and the younger female as she's coming into her like sovereignty, that there has to be all of this. It's toxic patriarchal bullshit that was Mm. based at the beginning of time that has poisoned mother-daughter relationships for years and years and years. And I am just not here for it anymore. I'm not available for it anymore. And it's, you know, it's interesting hearing you talk about how on the one hand, there is that, that longing for village and community and like, and the, the wisdom of older generations. We want that. We want to seek that out from our parents, but are they capable of giving that to us? And I, I think for me, it's been an interesting journey, um, this year and, you know, starting in pregnancy essentially where I am very choosy about where I seek information from my mom because of how uh, nuanced and complicated our relationship is. And so I have had to think about like, where do I actually want her input? Because I'm also not going to ask her something kind of knowing where she's going to come from and what she's going to say, and then like throw it back at her. And so for me, I know that I really value that she's always done a lot of research when it comes to holistic remedies and like being as natural as possible in a lot of ways. And so when James has a cold or when she's teething or something, I feel comfortable hitting up my mom to be like, Hey, like what were those funky, weird smelling remedies that you used when we were kids (laughs) that totally worked, even though everybody thought you were doing witchcraft. And she's like, Oh, sure. And she like gives me that and I'm grateful and I use them and that feels great. But kind of like you're saying her approach to parenthood and discipline and her values and all of that, they are not actually aligned with my values and what I want to teach my daughter and how I want to be available to and teach my daughter. Not to mention that her background and her life experiences and her unresolved trauma, very, very deep trauma informed so much of her ability to parent. And so I, I can only take so much. And so it's like a very picking and choosing Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you said something along the lines of seeking family or village, you know, I think about, um, I was, I was just thinking about what actually my ancestors probably did. And I actually don't think they went to the older women. I think they actually just went around to the village, like the people who were their sisters, their sisterhood, the aunties and, um, the women that were just like in their lives sharing that same life experience because they were experiencing their life, that motherhood in that moment as it is now, 
right? So similarly to the way you and I are constantly talking about all this shit that's happening. And even though our daughters are far, you know, there's a far larger age gap, we're still also experiencing our take on motherhood in this particular time frame, in this particular era, in an era where we're going through a pandemic, in an era where we actually can't physically touch our community and see them as frequently as we used to, to gain that support, to have those resources. And it's funny because in these moments where I feel defeat, like just utter defeat, Chris constantly reminds me, my partner constantly reminds me that like you are under resourced right now. As a woman, as a mother, you are under resourced at the moment. So yes, your nervous system is dysregulated at the moment. And while you have all the tools around you to do all the things, you're still under resourced. You don't have all the things available that you used to be able to like lean into when you needed a break, when you needed a moment. And, you know, it's funny because moments before this call, I was looking on my calendar, trying to figure out time to spend with the girls. That was a large break. And I was hoping to a certain degree that spring break would land when I have them. Mm. And funny enough, it actually doesn't. And there was part of me that was like, you know what, actually, that's kind of okay. And also, wait a second, should I feel guilty that I don't have them? Or should I actually be okay with the fact that they might be with John for that week? And I I was kind of grappling with that thought a little bit earlier and I had to kind of take a step back and go, you know what? Well, work is probably going to be ramping up for me during that period of time. And I should just take this as a gift that I don't have them during that week and that he can provide them, you know, maybe a much more, I don't know, uh, focused time with them rather than this parent who would be me and just kind of like floating everywhere. But still in the same light, it's still so freaking hard as a mom because you still feel feel freaking guilty about that. Yeah. But I like I wouldn't even think about what what he's going to be able to give them that you can't give them. I th- again, I think that's very much following in line with what you're talking about, that kind of patriarchal mother guilt. You're like, oh, it's better probably that he has them because they're going to get something from him that I can't provide because of blah, blah, blah. Like that's just another sneaky way of putting yourself down. And instead let's take all of that away and just say, oh, what a gorgeous opportunity to resource myself. Since I am noticing that I'm feeling so challenged and stretched in this role right now, how beautiful is it that they get to go and be with their dad who loves them while I get to resource myself? Totally. Totally. And well, I'm glad that we process that here. Yeah. <laughs> Real time. It's <laughs> just like fucking reframe that, <laughs> you know, because this, and this goes to exactly uh, my other uh, soapbox, which is that much like you were saying in the beginning, where for you it's a it's a very cultural the the perfectionist mother, yeah. And for mm-hmm. you know, I don't feel that on on maybe the same levels, but my a like societal um, cultural thing, especially with American mothers is that, is that martyrdom, martyrdom Mm. motherhood where Glennon Doyle and untamed my favorite chapter of the whole book. I mean, all of them are worth reading a million times, but my favorite chapter was the one on being a model and not a martyr and talking about how she just briefly shares that story about how for years and years, she told herself the lie when she was living in a shell of herself inside of a marriage that she shouldn't be in, that she was staying for her daughter. And she realized one day, she's like, if I am staying for her, like, but 
would I want this for her? Like if I'm at, if I'm saying that I'm here because of her, like would I want this same marriage for her? And she's like, the answer was no. And I realized that it was my job to leave the marriage for her, to model for her what it looks like to have agency and to be a sovereign woman and to choose relationships that are nourishing and respectful of you and choose, you know, make decisions that are empowering and nourishing. Like I realized that it was my responsibility to model to her what it means to be a whole free woman and not to sit in that martyr role that we have all experienced. We all know what it feels like, especially our generation. We all know how it feels and we see it several back. We see it in our mother and our grandmother and our great grandmother. If you have the opportunity to meet them, women who die on the cross of their obligations that like their children didn't ask them to, they sacrifice everything for their kids. Mm. And then they throw that in their kid's face later when they do things that they don't like. Like I didn't pursue my dreams because I was taking care of you. I didn't do X, Y, and Z because I was here for you as a mom. And there is no greater burden. Carl Jung says there's no greater burden on a child than the unrealized or unfulfilled dreams Mm -hmm. of the parent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because I feel that so hard and I'm sitting here with tears because I'm remembering that chapter. And I remember that was one of those chapters where I read in the process of making the decision for the divorce. It was like after I read, I read that damn book after I asked for the divorce or told him I no longer wanted to be married. And everybody was like, you need to read this book. Like, you just need to read this book this year. I'm like, put that on my list. Um, <laughs> there's never a wrong time to read that book. There's Glenn never a finds wrong you when time. you need her the most. <laughs> she seriously does seriously. And you know, it's funny. Cause I think about, I think about the things that my mom actually told me. And I'm so glad that I had enough emotional boundaries to not take that on as a young child. But I remember her saying things like, Oh, I never finished school because of you guys and this and this, and this is how I sacrifice. And you know what, for fuck's sake, I'll admit it. Like I actually said something very similar to Iris, which was just like, these are all the things that I do for you guys on Friday. And I, oh, like hearing that come out of my mouth, I was like, oh my God, I am. You were like, mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, I literally was like, oh my God, I'm my mother. <laughs> but it's so crazy to me because on top of the martyrdom, which I do feel so hard in, like the, in my Filipino culture and in that background, there is the addition of performance and achievement and having to do things perfectly and having to do things right, just to be acceptable in society, in a white society. And so even for my parents, everything that they did was literally the mentality of the American mind, but underneath of brown skin. And there's this great book that's called Brown Skin, White Minds. It is about the whole colonized Filipino mentality. I haven't quite read it yet. Everybody's telling me to read it because it's all the things I talk about when I go down a Filipino rant on my Instagram stories. I love your Filipino rant. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just like, it's everything that you're talking about in this book. And I'm like, it's because I'm living it. I don't necessarily need to read about it because it's going to (laughs) probably re-traumatize me in so many different ways. Um, But yeah, I look back and, and see how my mom treated me or the way she approached motherhood. And I know that she was in such a disorganized attachment style because she was living of two cultures and trying to make her best with what was due. And so it's wild to me to not only feel the, I guess in some way, I guess this is the breaking apart of that martyrdom story within me. And then also trying to break apart that whole having to perform, having to do everything right, having to get everything like 
perfect just for simple approval. And the person that I'm actually looking for approval for, funny enough, didn't know this is going to be a podcast episode where we're processing shit, but I guess this is it. I mean, is my daughter. Yeah. I was Why? Like, because I don't want to be that. rejected. I mean, I, I knew that, but I think like, <laughs> I, I like, think, I think now- I said we should just process our <laughs> shit in real time. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, I think it's just one of those things where I'm glad that we have this as a recording as an artifact. You can come back back to it. Accountability. And be like, remember that time. Yeah. Well, and this is, this is the part in the conversation where I acknowledge with so much grace and so much gratitude and so much compassion that my mother is a human being, like despite the level of, of wounding that, you know, that's compounding guys. Like it didn't come from just her. Like it came by way of her, like through many, many, many generations of the wounded feminine. And so she is not single-handedly responsible. And most of it was very completely unconscious. And I just want to acknowledge that she had a ton of shit stacked against her, like so much stuff. And she absolutely, like, especially as an adult, I can look back and I can say with 100% certainty that she did the very best that she could with what she had, with the limited resources and access that she had based on all of the many, many elements that got her where she was uh, during her primary mothering years. And so- while acknowledging that, you know, you can, and I think that's something that's also hard for women who are dealing with their own mother wounds by way of mothering, because God, I mean, every, everybody warned me like that shit gets triggered hard when you have a child, <laughs> oh my God. when you become a mother, the mother stuff, Ooh. if you thought you didn't have any, it will show up the second you become a mother. So just forewarning for those of you who uh, haven't done this yet. And it's, uh, it was because of my relationship with my mom that I told myself for years and years and years that I didn't even want a girl. I didn't want to have a girl. I told myself the story that I was a boy mom, that I was destined to be a boy mom because I could be direct. And I didn't want to deal with like all the feelings and the crying and the drama and girls are mean. And I didn't want her to hate me when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to go through the hell that was my Mm -hmm. relationship with my mother. (laughs) And it's so funny because that, that is, that was me going into getting knocked up the second Same. I became pregnant, the second I became pregnant, like my body, and I, I may or may not have told this story at some point on the podcast, but my body knew that James was James before I did. And I started dreaming, having vivid dreams of a girl, of a baby girl. Mm-hmm. Like by the time I was 20 weeks and I had the anatomy scan, I was so like, I could only see James. I had a boy name picked out, did not give a shit about it. I was like, I do not feel the same about this name as this name. (laughs) Like James is a whole person. Like I have her name. I see her face. Like I, I know her and I wanted her so badly that I was like, if I find out that I am pregnant with a boy today, like I am going to be fucking devastated. And like, of course I will work through that, but it was just this deep longing and desire that I never, ever had until I was pregnant. Ugh. And then I was laying on the table. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny now, like now that, wow, Olivia will be 11 and Iris is turning 17 in May this year. Ugh. And it's funny now because I think back and I'm like, you know, I don't think I would have actually wanted a boy. I do appreciate 
all of the messy moments that me and my girls have, I know that this this particular chapter of our lives is going to be really, really challenging for a lot of different reasons, for a whole host of reasons. But I do love, I mean, I don't know, I like Wednesday nights in this house is our woo-woo Wednesday nights where we pull out <laughs> cards and we pull tarot. And I like, I love that I can do that with them. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, yeah, they, they make me want to sometimes hide underneath (laughs) the bed and never come out. But it's because they are calling forth and like demanding absolutely nothing less than fucking everything you have to give as a sovereign woman. Mm. Like you can't, you have no option, but to be, but to be the fullest, truest version of yourself for them and with them. And, I like when they, when they told me that it was a girl, I sobbed like with relief and joy. And like, I knew, I knew that if it was a boy that would have been destined to be, and that I would very quickly, like once I processed my, I think I just would have been disappointed because I felt like I knew, and it would have been kind of a, it would just would have been like a smack to my, to my ego somewhat, but also like my intuition, it would have made mm. me feel like I, I couldn't hear my intuition because it had told me so clearly that it was her. And yeah. like, I literally, I, I found myself wanting to say like, I know, I know it's a girl, but I was scared of being wrong. And so I found myself holding back and not saying that. Sorry guys. I'm like, <sighs> I'm like crying and snotting. Um, <laughs> <while> I'm thinking... <laughs> it's getting emotional. Over this, is, this, is, this is an episode we're processing through a yeah, lot of different like things. Talking through all of the things. Um, yeah. And I, but I just, I knew, I knew it was her. I knew that it was her. I saw her, my spirit recognized her spirit, like before they told me and, and it, it was like my, my heart and my body, they were preparing me for her because I didn't think that I wanted her, which is so hilarious and crazy because I can't even imagine, like, I can't even imagine now I can't imagine having a boy. I can't. And you know, saying that I know that if I had a boy, then it would be my mission on earth to like, make him the kind of man who understands like consent and how to pleasure a woman and how to like do all these things. Like that would then be the mission, which is great. And we need those too. Like Lord knows, like we need those too, but I'm just so fucking grateful that she chose me to Mm. be her mom Mm. and like the healing that I have been able to achieve by loving her so much has been like transformational, like beyond my wildest dreams. And yes, it's really fucking hard because you are triggered all the time, (laughs) but it's also the richest, like most beautiful thing that I have ever, ever, ever experienced. And it actually didn't magically like make everything with my mom. Okay. Like a lot of people told me like so many people were like, Oh, well, as soon as you have a kid, you won't be so hard on your mom, which was like a judgment that they were passing over me. I'm like, you actually don't know what my situation was like. And I feel like it was harder on my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, well, and that's, that was something else we would talk about is just the, <laughs> even the guilt, um, you know, that people put on that mm. it is, is ridiculous where you're like, actually, you know how we talk about, and like in our personal yeah. combos, yeah. we're always mm-hmm. like, it's not a, it's on the butt. or it's an right. and, you yeah. know, it's, it's like, and she did the best that she could possibly do. And she hurt me. Yeah. Like that, those are both true. Mm -hmm. Like we have to validate both experiences. Like both Mm -hmm. things are true. They get to live side by side, equally true. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's just been interesting to witness. And I 
and actually because she's so young, I will, I will keep you posted how this goes as she gets older, <laughs> but because she's so little, I actually am finding myself on the opposite end of where you are, where you're seeing yourself in these moments where you're like, oh my God, I'm my mom. And I'm saying, and I'm witnessing myself go so far the other way that I'm worried that I like, I'm always a little freaked out that I'm going to underparent her because I don't want to be like my mom. Mm. And I don't want to do that either. I don't want to be of disservice to her by just yeah. kind of, you know, like letting, leaving her to her own devices. And like, yes, she is so, she is so good and she is so smart and she's so kind and, and like, I mean, she's a fucking beam of light. Like she really is. <laughs> we are the luckiest. Like she has yeah. such an amazing temperament and I do not take that for granted, but I also find myself sometimes just kind of like, oh, well, you know, like, am I, tr am I like letting things be like too free flowing, <laughs> am mm. I, you know, cause I, I found myself having a conversation with a mom about naps and how James just doesn't she doesn't take a second nap right now. Like she stopped <laughs> doing it. I can't make her go to sleep. Like I can put her in the bed, but I can't make her go to sleep. And they had mentioned in a very loving, and this is a person that I love and that I trust. And I know that anything I was feeling is like me projecting my own yeah. fears and doubts onto what she said. Uh, but essentially she said something around the lines of, well, you know, at this age, like they really crave routine. And I was like, am I just, am I like not giving her enough routine because I'm worried of being too much or of like crushing her spirit. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not giving her, like, I'm not being firm enough about certain things because I don't want to, I'm so conscious of her independence and me seeing her and understanding her. And I just don't want to go too far the other way. I yeah. don't want to be that parent that wakes up in five years. And it's like, Oh, actually, like I thought I was being super conscious. I thought I was being like a real <laughs> conscious parent. And my kid's actually just a brat is like running fucking everything. <laughs> like I just, that's like my, my nightmares, like waking up and realizing that while I thought I was being conscious, I was actually letting my kid like run everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as somebody who's witnessed you though, with your child, I would say that you guys have pretty good, solid structure around. Okay. <laughs> and I think too, like, you know, because I have the two of them and because I, I've seen myself be different moms at different times. I mean, this is, this is, I think the craziest thing, like as parents, I don't, as mothers, I think you don't realize that, yeah, you are the same mom to two different children, but you're actually a different mom. You're pregnant, going through different life experiences at that time. Your entire well-being was a different structure. Your brain was a different structure. Your first kid, oftentimes, you're you're feeling anxious about every single thing that you're doing, and of course, you're gonna pass that on to them little by little, you know. And with Olivia, I remember feeling a little bit more confident because I didn't kill the first one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, I was like, right. oh, cool. Like she made it past several birthdays. <laughs> We're great. <laughs> I think we've got the second one. Okay. And you also learn a little bit differently and you learn, you learn new things and you learn different things and you try different things with the second one. But, um, it's just so interesting. I don't think as moms, we take that into factor either. Mm, yeah. Well, that, then here's a question, here's a question for you. This is what I would do in real time. I would interrupt her and I'd be like, this is a question for you. <laughs> So for me and for anybody else listening, like this is something, and I'm not saying 
you like, but when other people say that to me, I get agitated because Mm. at this moment in time, I have zero plans of having a second child. So like, if this is my only one and there's a certain amount Mm. that I can expect where it's like, yeah, that kind of, am I fucking this up royally? Like is never going to leave because I'm not going to have a second child, or at least Mm. that's not in the plan right now. Like what, what can we do for each other? Or what can we do? Like, how can we reach out and get perspective witnessing support so that we don't smother and helicopter our only children to death? Like, what are your friend thoughts on that? Like not professional thoughts, but just like Joe thoughts on that. I think this is, I mean, I think this is a beautiful space of being able to do that. Like actually just talking about it and not being ashamed that as a mom or as a, as a mom, especially, and as a woman that you don't know what the fuck you're doing when it comes to motherhood. None of us fucking do. Like none of us do. <laughs> I mean, all those bullshit books on like what to expect when you oh my got like a baby oh or a teenager or any of those things. It's yeah. just like you can't like humans are so nuanced and they're so different. And I think for me, the, the biggest, as a friend, the only thing that I think you could do is like reach out to friends and also don't be afraid to actually ask friends who are not moms Mm. for some advice Yeah, because they might see it from an adult child perspective and hear Mm. you as an adult mom and go, Oh shit. I remember those moments where my mom felt that frustrated. (laughs) That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, Mm -hmm. and I mean, cause last week I I went on and was on my Instagram stories. I'm like, you guys, I just fucking had a blue out fight with like Iris and people came back sharing their experiences. And some of the most valuable ones that I got were from 23 to like 26 year olds just saying like, I'm not a mom, but I remember that era with my mom and Mm -hmm. hearing from some of them and just them saying like, you're doing an okay job. And I remember how hard it was for me as a teenager having to experience my parents going through separation. And then I can't even fathom what they're experiencing now having to be in this pandemic Mm -hmm. and feeling even more alone and hearing the advice from adult children and them saying like things to me just to hold, like truly hold space for her Mm. and just let her hear, like let her hear her own words through her, her speaking to you about her experience might just be the most helpful thing Mm. and suspend the parenting. And as a parent and as a coach, I mean, as a coach, I can suspend my coaching with clients, but it's so hard to suspend the parenting to a child. (laughs) Yes. It's like, wow, this is fucked up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, well, what's really funny is that You'll have to tell me truthfully if you do this also. Mm. I have a few really considerate friends. Mm. I mean, and they're some of my best friends. I mean, this is probably why, but they will always, they're always like, can I share something with you that's like helpful? And they will ask my permission. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. I'm like, yes, of course. (laughs) Like, tell me, like, what is it? And they're like, okay. And they'll share. I literally never fucking ask anybody if I can share my opinion. Cause I assume (laughs) that if they're like telling me about their struggle, that they want me to offer something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and as much as I am that person who like in coaching, it's like, do I have your consent to do it? Yeah. Like when I am friending someone really hard, I'm like, oh, mama help you. Mama got you. Like, I'm just like, you know what you need to do. You need to do this. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and so like, part um, of me yes. Is, yeah. I mean, I know I do that to you all the time. Part of me, <laughs> I, I literally did it to you on this podcast. <laughs> How about instead of saying that patriarchal <laughs> bullshit, you say, thank God that this is great and the end, move on, done. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think it's also because 
<laughs> I, I and maybe this is just maybe maybe you can relate to this. I think it's because I have so many conversations with women where I hear their suffering. <laughs> Yeah. And so when other people are explaining their own pain or suffering, I'm like, oh, I've heard this multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's in a friend circle, 100%. for sure. I'm just like, well, here's my advice. <laughs> and I think part of it is that I already know, like, I know that I have their consent. Like I have their ongoing consent to speak into their life. Um, I, because I think I, I definitely understand like when something is really sensitive or when I don't feel that they're actually in a place where they would receive like a bit of tougher love, like I don't give it because I know yeah. them that well. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's because I have a really good grasp of boundaries that I, I know what is going to be too far and what is not. Yeah. And so as long as I feel that I'm operating within our, you know, un, unverbalized, unverbalized, <laughs> what word am I looking for? Why did I say unverbalized? I don't know. What, but I got super distracted because unspoken. you're also fixing Messing your bra or something. I'm like, no. is there titties coming out during this <laughs> situation? Just like wagging them back and forth at you. <laughs> no, but while but while we're doing this, can we talk about like how my arms are getting? Uh, they look really good. Ripped. My arms are starting to look fucking finally. Like a year after giving birth, I can almost see my fucking arm tone, and I can almost hold my arm out without like a wing flapping. It's fucking great. It's all I'm the like, working out, and back. it's James becoming heavier. It is me hauling the kit. Yes, it is. Oh my gosh! I also am almost to ten thousand steps without having to run a bunch of stairs today. Oh, wow! So it's been a busy. It's been a busy day. <laughs> Yesterday. I was talking to Joe and I was like, um, I only have an hour left of this day and I need to get like 1600 more steps <laughs> to hit my goal. I'm, oh, I already did it. I'm wow, at 10,054. You, you it's, it's just because you shook your titties just now. Oh, that's not cool. Don't tell me that. That makes me feel like this isn't accurate. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> now I'm going to be concerned about this. I now you're going to be like, Hey, be fit like, fit. how did I get this? Yeah. I'm like, did I earn these or did I not? Did I earn these or did I just get this because of my tits? <laughs> Which yet again, either way, <laughs> just another way in my life. I'm not sure if I, <laughs> you're like, I'm really glad these assets are paying off in so many different God, ways. Right. Anywho, oh my anywho, goodness. Rope it back in. Mm. Uh, Happy birthday. Uh, nothing confidential and nothing. Oh, <laughs> and nothing confidential. Oh yeah. Did you guys, did anybody pick up on me crying during our really brief, um, intro last week? I was like, and the baby grew up on the podcast. <laughs> it's been an emotional one. It's been just it such has. a milestone for so many different reasons. So many <sighs> things. I just, sometimes I'm like, who do I think I am to launch a podcast and have a baby at the same time? But it's kind of fun that they're growing up together and that I get to like, I'm not going to forget my anniversary, even though I kind of did, but <laughs> I kind of did, but it like snuck up on me. And yeah. I was like, oh, my child is about to be one. So therefore the podcast is one forgot to celebrate. <laughs> so we'll have to pop champ over that later. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's been a year. And if you guys are particularly interested, you can go back to episode number one and hear me bitch about how much I hate being pregnant because I was in the third <laughs> trimester of pregnancy. I was about to pop any day and waiting. I would literally schedule guests and I would tell them. I will confirm with you 24 hours beforehand. If the day comes and you get into the room and 15 minutes past time, not there, I am in labor and we will reschedule. And I apologize in advance. And they were like, cool. <laughs> but I was like, there's always the chance that I will go into labor today. So I need to make sure that my bases are covered. And then 
there's just a bunch of episodes with like sweet, tiny baby, like newborn gurgles in the background. My episode Mm. with Candace, um, shit. Why can't I think of her last name? She's fucking, (laughs) it doesn't matter at the moment. She's fucking brilliant. (laughs) That was about hormones. She birch Candace birch. Good Lord. I fucking love Candace. Um, she is just a hormone genius, but she was on and she was so kind. It was our first time like meeting in person and talking. She was so kind and accommodating. The baby had a monster blowout that you could hear. And I had to cut out oh it was God, the first amazing. episode. I had to cut out a good chunk because she shit. And then I had to get up and go <laughs> change it in the middle. And Candace was so sweet. And she just like went along for the ride. She was like cracking up. She was talking to the baby. Like it was the best. It was literally the best. <laughs> and it's just so unique and special that I have that out in the world forever. Like I get to listen to my baby grow up on the podcast. And I think that in some ways that made it very inconvenient, but in other ways I would never, ever take that back or do it any other way because I just have a little like diary of James from her Mm -hmm. whole first year. Yeah. I mean, look at what you modeled for her. Yeah. During that period. Yeah. (laughs) You don't got to stop shit. Babies don't mean you got to stop shit. Okay. (laughs) They can take a shit, which means you can can just keep going. And you just keep rolling. (laughs) There is a pause button for a reason. No, I'm really proud of that. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about things I'm proud of for surviving motherhood? Now that that we've cleared the (laughs) shit that that, like. Now that we've about where we think we're failing. That's like really hard. <laughs> celebrate. Let's celebrate the yeah. things we feel like we're doing great as a mom. Okay. Go things, first. Things we do great. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to be very bold about my bragging in this. This is what the space is for. So like no shame. These are not backdoor brags. These are front door brags because I feel very proud of this. I, again, I don't know how well this will do in teenagehood, but so far, because of my own situation and whatnot, James brings out this very like Zen side of me where all I want is to ground her and keep her calm. And so the amount of patience that I have with that child is like, I don't even recognize myself sometimes Mm. because I do not have that for anybody or anything else. Like I was terrified of becoming a mother because of what an impatient person I am. And I have tapped into this place with her that I very rarely, um, leave. And Mm. I think I also, I'm really proud of myself that in moments that do feel really hard and moments when I do feel really frustrated, instead of shaming myself or trying to push through or doing whatever I will, when I'm able, I will hand her off or I will take space. Like I Mm. remember getting so frustrated, especially really early on when, when she would be crying and it would be escalating. And I'm like trying to do everything I can, but I don't actually know what to do. And I am having my own issue. And I would literally hand her to Mike and be like, I need you to take her for a minute. And I would leave. I would like walk into a different room and I would cry or breathe or like, just like, stroke my own arms, like do something to bring myself back down and to like calm my nervous system. And I was able to just like find this resource inside of myself to offer her that grounding. And that Mm. has carried on to the point where now she's getting older and she's just entering this hilarious stage of like, she gets sassier every fucking day. <laughs> and so I'm about to be in completely uncharted territories because so far she's been very chill. Like she'll do stuff, but she's super chill. And she only goes like, she'll go 
zero to 60 in like a second when she really needs something. But most of the time she's like happy and laughing and running around yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. all great. So like within the last week though, she gets frustrated. And when she gets frustrated, <laughs> there is like a whole range of things that happens very quickly. She like c- combusts. She, yeah. she just, she goes like, <laughs> and like her face, like her little arms and her hands. And there's like a hand motion and her face like scrunches up and she like spits. <gasps> it's like so much. And I like, like a little already, gremlin. Yeah. Like it's a lot. She like, she like twigs out. She's like, uh, uh. I mean, it's like glitch glitching. She's like glitching. And I literally first, first I tr- focus all of my effort on not laughing. And secondly, I, <laughs> I will look at her because she's going and I'm like, Hey, let's like take, let's take deep breaths go. And so we've started doing that together. Mm. And so we're learning, we're learning that, but I told Mike, I was like, I have realized because I tried to interrupt it a couple of times when she was doing it, she has to get that whole thing out. Like there's a whole little routine that she goes through and she has to be allowed to get all of that out. And then I will, I'm like, Hey, make, like make eye contact with me. And then I'm like, are you frustrated? Like, what do you need? But I have to let her have the thing. Like, I wonder if that's an Aquarius thing. It might fucking be. Because Olivia's kind of like that now that you're yeah. describing that. Yeah. I mean, it's not quite, I mean, she doesn't do those faces anymore. Actually, <laughs> she actually, does. no, she does. She does this face. And she, it's just I was like, like, or she rolls her eyes. Like it might've been traded in so for eye rolling. angry. Yeah. She's just like this. Yeah. The eyebrows. It's the uh-huh. freaking eyebrows. It's the eyebrows. And you're just like, yes. what devil child are you? Right. <laughs> but it was so interesting to witness how, when I saw that the first time, it made me really uncomfortable because it's the most yeah. like animated thing she's done. Also, yeah. like when you're in a restaurant and you're like, James, don't do that. And she combusts into this like six part reaction. <laughs> and it's like, I want to interrupt the behavior and I want to be able to be like, hey, and like it stop right that minute. But it's, that just isn't what's going to happen. And so I just very quickly was like, I need to, a uh, allow her the space to like roll through that as long as she's not like hurting anyone or throwing shit off the table or, you know, or like totally being a monster. Like she's totally allowed to like spit and like make faces. (laughs) Like that's fine. She's one. Um, but I think I'm just really proud of, you know, this, I am really committed to being the best mom to James that I can be like not being a mom. It's not my goal to be a great mom. It's my goal to be a good mom to James. And so whatever that means, however that looks as far as advocating for her, holding space for her, understanding her uniqueness as much as I can and offering support based just on the information that I'm learning from her every single day. So far, like this year, I feel like I have done actually an exceptional job of that. Mm. And I feel really, really proud and honored that I have had the experience and that I get to keep doing it. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I love that. You are such an incredible mother. You're such an incredible mother. I mean, like whenever we, you and I get into our phone conversations and I talk to you about how fucking frustrating I am, you always do offer some words of wisdom to be able to help calm that. But I also see how you are with her. And then also just how aware you are of yourself of how you're showing up as a mom. And I think it's such a beautiful thing. So, you know, this is fucking recorded. So at any of those moments that you feel like you you. need a little pick me up, just listen back to whatever timestamp this is going to be on. 
Um, but no, you are such an incredible mother. And uh, again, like it's, it's beautiful that you are aware of that. Mm. It's beautiful that you're aware of the consciousness that you bring into the way you mother and the way that you show up and your wounds around it, because not a lot of women do. And it's not because they choose not to some, some probably choose not to, but I think others just don't know if it's safe to actually look at that. Yeah. And if it's okay to admit that there's shit there that you're still trying to process through and figure out because this whole society and culture paints this damn picture that mothers are supposed to be perfect and we're supposed to know everything by the time our kids are born. And the reality is, (laughs) (laughs) Mm, which is funny because you don't know who you're parenting until they get out. So it's very interesting to me, the phenomena (laughs) of like going to the library and getting all these books on parenting and deciding what your parenting style is before you actually know who you're going to be parenting. (laughs) Just going to throw that out there and leave it. Yeah. Did you so. actually bring up a really good point that I want to unpack super briefly before you do your celebration? And that is that I actually have noticed, and tell me if you feel like this is the same for you, as amongst my friends, I feel like for so long, the perfect mother, like that's something that we as a generation are culturally trying to change. Like I do see that happening with all the moms who are, you know, like, unfiltered motherhood, like real life moms, moms of Instagram, hashtag, 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 all the things. I think we are trying to normalize the messy, imperfect process of being mothers, which I fucking love, but I am noticing that that tends to trend overhill into like self-deprecation where then we cannot show up and like actually own the shit that we're doing really, really well. Yeah. Like I don't hear a lot of moms showing up and be like, you know what? I fucking killed motherhood today. Like I fucking (laughs) rocked the shit out of being someone's mom today. Like I was on TikTok for all of five days before I could not fucking stand it anymore. Like no disrespect or lack of love for those of you who are obsessed with TikTok, but it it was, it was a fucking time suck that I could not, (laughs) I cannot do. But something I noticed was a million and 12 subcultures of TikTok moms. And all of them were basically celebrating, like, you know, let's celebrate being fucking bad moms. Like, let's celebrate. Like, if you need a fucking glass of wine and don't brush your hair, hashtag bad moms. Like, we're super proud of like <laughs> drinking wine on a Thursday at three o'clock and not brushing our hair, which like zero judgment. That's fucking fine. But then where do all the moms belong who are like, you know what? I actually like got you done today and I feel pretty fucking good. Yeah. Like where's that area? It's almost like you don't get, if you're not a dumpster fire mom, like you don't get to be in the club. And I, and I'm just, I'm kind of fucking over all of that. I'm like, can we normalize the range of this fucking roller coaster where some days it's shitty and hard, hence crying like half of the episode. And some days we show up and we fucking see the fruit of all of this goddamn labor we're doing and we are winning. And that feels really good too. And there has to be space for both of those on that note, let's celebrate where you're (laughs) fucking killing it in motherhood. Well, I'm just, before I go into that, it's just what you said. It's the, the, the beautiful and the brutal parts of motherhood. And I think that is just something, I don't know, those words stick with me right now about that. And I know I always like say things like you're allowed to be messy and beautiful at the same time, but there is a brutality about motherhood. Thank you. I coined that when I got pregnant. Yeah, you should definitely. That might be brutal and beautiful. Like that is my, the BB. This might need to be the freaking. I said that. (laughs) 
we might have to name that ep- this episode yes. the, the the brutal and beautiful and parts beauty of motherhood. motherhood. Yeah. yeah, seriously, seriously. You know, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I'm celebrating in this current time space of life is well, there's two things. One, making a hard decision to no longer continue the road of martyrdom for myself and to step out of a marriage that just wasn't nourishing me as much as it as it it could be and really making that move to walk away um and that was hard because when i think about our marriage as a whole yeah there could have been more energy and effort into putting the work there but then that would have taken away my energy and effort in putting that focus into parenting my kids. And it was just something that when I looked at the scales, I'm like, that's just not fair for my children. It's not fair for me to do that. So that's one thing I'm really, really proud about because it's been a thought of mine for maybe, you know, when I think about it, I think the first time I wanted to leave my marriage was five years ago. Yeah. Because of the same reasons. I just felt like I was a martyr. And I no longer wanted to feel that way. And I, and I thought, well, let me just constantly massage this to see if there's going to be some other thing that comes out. And really it, it, there was no other way except for sacrificing more of me. And I didn't want to model that anymore for them. So that's one big thing. And the other big thing, especially now in this particular stage in life is getting freaking dinners ready by 630 for them while I'm like single parenting and trying to work and trying to like unpack for the last two weeks. Oh, domestic goddess status. <laughs> <laughs> and, and guys, like, let me just say that's not necessarily my forte because Historically, especially in the last two to three years, John has pretty much been the one who had dinners ready. Uh, he just took on that role and it was one that he gladly took on because of our dynamic. And that's totally fine. But the fact that I was able to freaking do that and then also tell the girls, you know what? You guys are coming down from your rooms at 630. No excuses. Love it. Even if I'm cooking, like, just please be present. Play Uno. I don't know. Do something. Just so I'm not alone in the kitchen while I'm like slaving away. And also, we've decided to kind of put two two things in our calendar for us to consistently do to just build that bond, which is our woo woo Wednesdays, where we pull out our tarot cards, we look at like oracle cards, and we do that. And then Friday nights, they are the ones making dinner for the family. Ooh, I love that. I love and both they of those. Get to, I love yeah. Blue Wednesday. I kind of want to call in for those. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I love that. Like, I mean, our first one was kind of a, a flop and I think there was just so much going on and she was going to be going to her dad. So I think there was just a lot of anxiety there that we didn't speak about. Um, but it was, it was great that they were excited about it. And that to me is a first step because the girls haven't been able to do anything of that nature in our old dynamic in our old family structure. So the fact that I'm seeing them also step into their own self-sovereignty, self-responsibility, self-sufficiency feels really, really good to see because shit, granted, while they're not adults yet, one of them is going to be a senior by the end of this year. And the other one is 11. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and I just think about how quickly time flies. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling that right now. Yeah. Yeah. And while you don't want to like pressure them to like grow up at the same time, you're like, Ugh, where's the harmony and trying to balance all this stuff out, yeah. especially when they're about that age, you know? Yeah. So I'm really proud about those two things. And aside from the blow up that Iris and I had, 
I've, I've kept my cool for the most part, which has been a huge thing for me to try to do in the last few months, especially during the the divorce process. And again, I'm just under resource. So the fact that I am able to do that in this space, in my new house, that feels really good for me. I'm really proud about that. And I just want to acknowledge you for the intentionality that you bring to your mothering, because mm-hmm. even when you're having, like, even when you are in that spiral and you're texting me and you're like, oh my God, I just fucking blew up. I'm acting like my mom. Like, this is crazy. I hate this. This isn't what I want to do. You can always quickly come back to that place of, but I'm going to go sit and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to, you know, tap into that place of like, what kind of relationship do I want to have with her? What, and, and not even what kind of relationship overall do I want? What kind of relationship do I want to have with her this year? What kind of relationship mm-hmm. do I want to have with her in the next six months? These are things you've said to me because yeah. that intentionality is there and you come back to it so quickly. And also what we, I mean, similar to what you said to me, but just the awareness even that you have of when you've done it. And I just want to reiterate something that we say to each other all the time, which (laughs) is that you're never not ever going to yell. It's how you react afterwards. It's how you address afterwards. It's how you take responsibility for your behavior and explain that to the child that has been yelled at. And you are so excellent. Like you are an excellent model of radical self-responsibility. And that is something that I witness in you all the time, but especially with your girls, like you are really, really excellent at communicating with them and taking responsibility for what is you while explaining to them at the same time, like what behavior is acceptable and is not and why. And I think that that is fucking gorgeous. And Mm. I just respect that about you Mm. so much. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I know I keep talking about that fight because it it really like was, it it showed me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really gritty. And I remember I was, I went upstairs. One of the, one of the rules that I had was like, Hey guys, like before I go to your dad's, make sure your room is clean so that when you come home, it feels welcoming to you. And they cleaned their rooms prior and Iris left this note that she wrote to me Mm. on her, on her table. And, um, I read it and some of the words on there was just like, I know that my mom can make hard decisions. And I know that she is a really great example of a woman who works really hard and strives really hard and does really amazing things. And like, those are the first two sentences and it just broke me. especially because it was like right after the fight. And I think too, like one of the things I want to just share to our community is like, as moms, we often don't think that our kids don't understand us. But after reading that note, I'm like, holy hell, she she understands me more than I think. And it's me who doesn't really understand her. And I think there's like so much pressure sometimes as a mom to a teenager to want to understand your child as they're going through this stage in life. But maybe the role for us, and I'm saying this because I'm reflecting to myself also, but maybe the role right now is actually to not understand is actually just to listen Mm -hmm. and to hold space and to not say to them, I've been there before. I know what it feels like to be a teenager because those are the things that even when you're trying to be vulnerable to your friends, the last fucking thing you want to hear. And I can only imagine that in her state, She's probably thinking, yeah, mom, I know you've been here. We've talked about this before, yeah. but I don't really want that. I just want 
I just want to be witnessed mm-hmm. in my bullshit. Yeah. I just want to be accepted in my bullshit in space. Yeah. I want you to love me and give me space for the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Wow. Mm. Great episode. Great episode. <laughs> I feel like we should wrap it up by each stating an intention, just a single intention for like our motherhood journey this year. Yeah. Let's do six months, not a year. Six months. Okay. <laughs> six months sounds good. Well, things can change. Yeah. I was, well, I was going to say mine is the same for the next six months <laughs> as it has been for this whole year. And I hope for all of the years. And that is just that I continue to stay tender and open to the dichotomy of joy and grief of always feeling those feelings next to each other equally true and equally present as I watch her grow up so quickly and just staying really present and trying not to Mm. wish away the hard moments because it all goes really, really fast. And I think just welcoming everything that is coming minute to minute with so much excitement and joy while also giving myself permission and space to grieve everything that's being left behind so quickly Mm. too. Mm. Wow. What a beautiful intention. Pass me the tissues, Joe. Um, yeah. Oh, here. <laughs> oh, thanks. I thought you were going to hand me a vibrator. <laughs> I don't know where that one is. I actually need to go check my mailbox. I have like a new toy from Dame downstairs. Ooh. You need to go find it and use it. <laughs> right. right now. <laughs> Could you just imagine? You Hold if you want. All- <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think okay. my intention for the next six months, and I'm only doing six months because right now I, I don't know what I, I don't know what the year is going to look like. That feels sustainable. Um, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think my intention is going to be to celebrate the bright ass moments and to not forget that. I think I have a tendency, and this is definitely my mom for sure, to blow over some of the, the, the joyful moments with them because I so desperately don't want them to make the same mistakes that I have made in the past. And so I tend to celebrate their wins briefly. Yeah. And then actually go, well, what what do you think you could do better? And I know I'm doing that out of love, but it's also not helpful for them to actually sink in and feel that joy in their own DNA and in their own body. And for them to imprint what pleasure and joy feels like for success in their own terms, right? And so I think for me, that is my biggest intention is to celebrate the shit out of them. And that's so good. So well during this process, at least from what I've been able to witness. And I mean, you know, me and John tell them all the time, you guys are sometimes showing up much better than me and your me and your dad are at the moment as your parents because this is so tough for us and we just want to honor you and we just want to celebrate you and we want to thank you for your patience with us because we don't we don't know what the hell we're doing this is new and no one before us in our families can partake any or, or like shed any kind of advice for us in this moment so yeah just celebrating them is going to be my biggest intention and similarly i think to you in terms of just 
being present for all those moments. Um, single parenting is, is tough. It's tougher than I imagined. And, um, it's hard to be present when you don't have the resources to actually be present. Yeah. And there are times where I wish things were different, but they're not necessarily that, that case for me. And so, yeah, being present and just being aware that like, I'm doing the best that I can also celebrating that. Yes. And that's so huge because, and I love that that's your intention for your girls, because as a 30 year old woman, like I struggle so much with allowing myself to have things to, to have a win, to feel successful. Like I set a goal and I meet it and I'm like, all right, by the time the glass, this glass of champagne is done, I'm on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't allow myself the space to really celebrate and feel in my body, what it is to have that thing that I worked mm-hmm. for. And so I think that is such a powerful, that's something that I am teaching and remothering myself in mm-hmm. right now. And so I think that's really beautiful. And I would like to toss a home play assignment out to our (laughs) listeners today. Uh, If you listened to this episode, I want you to, and if you are a mother, you can do this if you're not a mother, but if you're, yeah, yeah, period. Send us a DM and tell us (laughs) fucking something that you're proud of, something that you're doing really well. And if you're a mom, tell us a way in which you are fucking killing it at motherhood right now. Like we don't need to know about how much you're struggling and how shitty and hard it is. We just cried for an hour um, because we totally know, like we know we see you, we're with you. We feel you, we are you. So send us messages and tell us how you are shining right now, how you are kicking ass, how you are winning, like allow yourself to celebrate yourself for a second. Any Mm -hmm. add-ons to that, Joe? No, I love that you said celebrate yourself because so oftentimes when I tell my clients, what are you celebrating this week? They talk about the things that happened at work or they they talk about what people have done. So yes, while I think it's beautiful that you celebrate your children, celebrate you in that space and your role and what you've done yourself as a mom because you don't really always give yourself enough credit. And this is an opportunity And it can literally be, like I know we're in a weird time. It can literally be, I refrained from telling anyone to fuck all the way off today. (laughs) (laughs) Like if that feels like a win, share it. I only told her to fuck off a block away, not all to the end of the street. An orgasm, if you took a shower, if you prioritized yourself in any way, that counts. All of it counts. (laughs) We're we're accepting it all. (laughs) Yeah. This is a very easy assignment. You, you all pass. You all get a fucking sticker. Gold stars for everyone. All right. Oh, I love you, dude. <laughs> love you. Thank you guys so much for listening. If this conversation tickled your fancy, opened your mind, or gave you permission to simply express yourself a little more authentically. Be sure to share with a friend, rate us on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.